I'm Evan Knappen, and welcome to Gun Lawyer. Well, you know, today I want to share with you one of the uh, legendary stories of my life. Yes, this story I'm going to tell you is Evan Knappen legend. And although it's not exactly a law case, it took place when I was going to law school. Now, you see, I lived in New Jersey, down on the shore, and I went to New York Law School, which, surprisingly, was in New York. And the way I would get there is I would take New Jersey Transit Train, which we called the Silver Snail, and we would take the Silver Snail to Newark Penn Station. Now, Newark Penn Station is an old very actually kind of nice architecture, and, and, and they're restoring it more now even, but it was a 1935-era train station. And it's the main station, very, very busy. And we take it to Newark, and there I would grab a PATH train. Now, the PATH train was the Port Authority-run subway, if you will. And the PATH train would run from Newark, making a number of stops, but it would go to, amongst other places, the World Trade Center, which, of course, no longer exists. But I would get off underground at the World Trade Center, and then I would walk underground through the New York subway system underground and come up pretty close to where New York Law School was, and that's how I would uh, commute to uh, law school in the day. And that worked out fine. And, you know, law school is quite a quite a challenge. And anyone that's gone through law school, I'm sure, will uh, confirm the, uh, the challenge that it faces. It's not like really any other educational experience. And it is, I call it boot camp for the mind. That's what law school was like. And the problem was that on Wednesdays, I had every law class. You know, we had a full schedule, but Wednesdays, it was every class, every class. And when you are in law school, you have to bring your law books with you because I couldn't leave them in a locker. I had to bring them home to read and study. And then you had to lug them to school. And these things were heavy. I mean, they were really heavy. And you have a book bag. It wasn't. It was more of a luggage bag. That would hold all the books, and you'd ha- and I'd have to lug these things, you know, onto the train, off the train, walk to the, and it was really a heavy load. And, and many of the folks, you know, smaller frame women that attended and what have you, that couldn't handle it, and I didn't blame them. They would actually rip the books up into sections, so they would only have to carry the sections of the book for the classes, just destroy the load because they were so heavy to lug. So. You're there in law school, and it's very exhausting for the day, and you have to be on because, you know, law school isn't like regular school, man. When you're in law school, the teacher can just call on you out of the blue. I don't know if you ever watched a paper chase, but that's what it's like. And the teacher will just call on you. You better know the case. You better know the facts. You better know the law. You better maybe answer the questions. And you're put on the spot, and you never know when you're going to get picked. So you have to be ready and on for any time when this is going to happen. And uh, it's, uh, you know, it's called the Socratic Method, and this is what they do. And it's a very interesting experience. It's nothing like college. And uh, you got to be on your toes. But after a day of that, of all the classes, of all the uh, stress and, 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 and dealing with this, 
then you know coming home i am pretty tired to be honest i had a full day of abuse and i am ready to go home and i'm lugging the book bag full of books and it's like get on the path train take it back to newark penn station and i'm in a mood i'm just tired i don't really want to talk to anybody I just want to get home and not be bothered, all right? I've had enough. So I walk up to the uh, convenience stands there where they sell all kinds of garbage, and I buy a bag of Doritos, you know, some real good health food. I buy a Diet Coke, again, great health food, and a newspaper, probably a New York Post at the time or some schlocky paper just to try to relax. And I took my goods, and in Penn Station, Newark, in the 30s, they have these beautiful, beautiful, they really are, wooden benches from the 30s. Not like stuff made today. They are a double bench back-to-back. They're made of this gorgeous wood, uh, you know, carved and high-backed. And when you sit in the seat, it kind of, in the back, it kind of rolls around, and a full back of wood comes up, all solid. And they're kind of somewhat long benches so that way more than one person could sit on them. But normally, unless it's crazy busy, you could have one of these benches to yourself. You know, most people will leave you alone and that's fine. So I sit down on one of these great 1935 benches at Newark Penn Station and I put my stuff down and set it down and I grab my Diet Coke and I'm cleaning the lid, you know, because this thing is grungy, right? And, you know, you got to do that. And I'm just going to take a sip and I just want to relax and wait for the silver snail to finally get there so I can grab the train and, and head on home. And while I'm sitting there, just getting ready to enjoy some peace and Diet Coke, this guy sits down right next to me on the bench. Right next to me. I'm like, there's benches there. What? Why does this guy have to sit next to me? But he sits right next to me on the bench. I'm like, oh, God, just don't start conversation. Just leave me alone. I can't believe it. So the guy sits down right next to me. I'm like, oh, you pay. So there he is. And next thing, he reaches over. He grabs my bag of Doritos. He opens it up and starts eating my freaking Doritos. Now, let me tell you, man, I'm in no mood to deal with anybody, no less somebody stealing my bag of Doritos. And he puts them back down on the bench between us, and I'm, I'm MFing them in my mind, you know, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to show this guy that these are my Doritos, and I'm going to make it clear to him they're mine. I reach in. I take this honking giant handful of Doritos, I crunch them, you know, chips are flying as obnoxiously as I could. I eat this giant handful of Doritos to send a message to this guy, back off, they're mine. At which time, a little moment of silence, there. this jerk takes some more Doritos out of the bag. I'm like, motherfucker, I can't believe it. I'm like, I'm not saying nothing. You know what? We'll share our Dorito. I reach in. I take some more. He takes some more. Finish the bag. Of I'm like, I can't believe people today. I'm just like, can't. I'm just flipping out in my mind. But I'm so tired. I just like, guy gets up. 
He goes away, and I'm like, you know, this is ridiculous. What else do I have to put up with? Just absurd. I'm thinking, you know, today just I'm just grouching out here. And I lift up my uh, newspaper, and underneath is my bag of Doritos. Oh, boy. At which time I said, oh, my God. Like, whoa, whoa. So I'm thinking to myself, what must this guy be thinking? He sat next to me, and some big, obnoxious guy just decided to take chips out of his bag and eat them as obnoxiously as one could eat them. And he must have been in a state where he's saying, I'm not talking to him either. And I go, we share his bag. Of I'm like, oh, man, this just has, you know, crazy thoughts running through my head on this. So, folks, let me tell you, that is the legendary bag of Doritos story. And it lives on. And 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 what it and what it and what it taught me was, you know, don't assume, man. Don't assume. It really is true. You know, I assumed, I just thought, I just believed. But you know, sometimes even when you absolutely think you know something, many times you don't. It's not what you actually thought. And man, it just jammed it. Don't jump to conclusions. You know, so many times in the practice of law. I see that problems occurred because people jump to conclusions. I can tell you how many times I see law enforcement jump to conclusions. They do. They jump to conclusions. They end up charging the wrong person. They jump to conclusions that something's unlawful when it's not. They just, and instead of the traditional way of investigation where you gather all the evidence and then decide what the evidence shows you, many times law enforcement immediately get a view. This guy's guilty. They get a view. They like, I think, oh, this guy's got. And then they try to get whatever they can to prove what their suspicion is. And that's not how it's supposed to work. Okay? You need to look at all the evidence. Don't make assumptions. And even as a practicing attorney, I can't make assumptions. When you, when you read uh, a charge or read police reports or read the, you need to question and make sure with the client. Let me tell you, no one. There's this, a, a thing I live. No one knows the case better than the client, and so don't make assumptions. This is why it's so important when you have representation that you do communicate thoroughly with your attorney, and that he understands the reality of this. Because so many times, if mistakes are made, it's because of bad assumptions and misunderstandings of the facts or the circumstances. And once you get those things straightened out, suddenly it becomes clear as to what the truth is and it gives you strength in your arguments. And even in your personal life, don't jump to conclusions. Because many times uh, people, family members, others do things that might annoy you at first. You're like, what the heck? You know, be, you know and you get hit with this, what? But, if the, but there's actually a really legitimate reason behind it and if you just don't jump to conclusions, find out what's going on. You can, uh, first of all, not make a fool out of yourself. And second, you know, maintain peace and harmony and get even more respect that you didn't jump to conclusions. And uh, I've seen this over and over again, even in my uh, personal life. A matter of fact, I had a, many years ago with my, with my wife, uh, there was a family member who uh, was a young family member, and I had parked with permission a um, a 
car that I'd recently acquired. I was able to buy a used 67 Roadrunner, the old muscle car, right? And, you know, I thought this was great. And I, and my mother-in-law-to-be said, yeah, you could park it here, no problem. And I put one of those uh, locks on the wheel and on the uh, brake. You don't see those sold too much anymore, but it locked the, the brake and the wheel together with one of those uh, bar locks. And I just because the door locks really didn't work on the thing anyway, and you could easily jump one of these if you needed to. So uh, that's what I did. And I come back one day, and sure enough, the bar is pulled up, tearing the brake upward and kind of threw the pin on the brake so it's upward. I'm like, who got in my car and ripped this thing upward? I'm like, what? So I go in, and this uh, family member there is like, well, you know, the kid next door, I saw him around your car. I saw him doing it. I'm like, really? What? This And this guy had kind of a bad reputation, this kid next door. But I, not, I didn't know personally whether he did, but he kind of had a bad rep. But you know what? I didn't jump to conclusions. I went over there, and I talked to the parent. I said, hey, did your son, you know, uh, was he near my car? Did he do this or whatever? And he's there, and he's like, no, man, no, not at all. I didn't touch it. I didn't go near it. Uh, as a matter of fact, he said where he was for the day and everything. And, I, and you know what? I believed him, honestly. I don't think it was him. So I'm thinking, you know what? I went back to the other family member who had ratted this guy out, and I gave him the third degree, and guess what? He broke. And he said, yeah, it was him. He did. You know, I'm like, you what? You know, and then trying to pin it on your neighbor, no less, right? So I was really annoyed with this guy. And I said, look, you're coming over now, and you're going to apologize to your neighbor for setting him up. And I brought him over there, and I made him apologize for doing what he did and setting you know, and I'm glad I didn't jump to conclusions. Very glad I didn't do that. And he apologized to him. And, you know, later the parents came to me and they thanked me for not blaming their son and not just going by what others say and really, really, truly appreciated that I got to the truth and got an apology and actually helped both of these folks out, I think, in the long run. So they learned a lesson from it. And this is a lesson to take away. Don't jump to conclusions. Get all the evidence. Get all the proof. Hear all the sides. It'll keep your life well balanced. So when we come back, I'm going to be talking to you about a big threat that is federal. And uh, it's uh, an active threat. And it's legislative. And you're going to need to know so you know what to do to protect yourself. For over 30 years, attorney Evan Knappen has seen what rotten laws do to good people. That's why he's dedicated his life to fighting for the rights of America's gun owners. A fearsome courtroom litigator fighting for rights, justice, and freedom. An unrelenting gun rights spokesman tearing away at anti-gun propaganda to expose the truth. Author of six best-selling books on gun rights, including Knappen on Gun Law. A bright orange gun law Bible that sits atop the desk of virtually every lawyer, police chief, firearms dealer, and savvy gun owner. That's what made Evan Knappen America's gun lawyer. Gun laws are designed to make you a criminal. Don't become the innocent victim of a vicious anti-gun legal system. This is the guy you want on your side. Keep his name and number in your wallet and hope you never have to use it. 
But if you live, work, or travel with a firearm, the deck is already stacked against you. You can find him on the web at evannappen.com or follow the link on the Gun Lawyer resource page. Evan Knappen, America's Gun Lawyer. You're listening to Gun Lawyer with attorney Evan Knappen. Available wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I am a lawyer. I am a lawyer. Okay, hello. Hey, you know, one of the things I want to talk to you about is, uh, you know, some, on a practical side, I got to tell you, I am a huge fan of Mitch Rosen holsters. And I'm going to tell you, Mitch isn't paying me to say this at all, but I'm just telling you, I am so impressed. See, uh, Mitch Rosen's holsters. Have you ever had a Mitch Rosen holster? God, it is the best. You know, lately there's been a big boom in holster makers and trainers and all kinds of stuff, but Mitch has been around since 1991. And his leather, he calls it extraordinary leather, and it really is extraordinary. I just got my uh, my carry rig, and I've had a number of them, and he just made me beautiful, beautiful holsters. And what makes it so great is the way the holsters hold the gun. And you say, well, what does that mean? Well, I'll tell you. With the Mitch Rosen holster, the holster is fitted to your handgun, your specific handgun. And the way that it's fitted, it holds the gun without a keeper strap being needed. And this way, you can easily draw your firearm, yet when you reholster, it remains open, doesn't close, remains open for the reholstering very easily. And it holds it, it's almost like magic because it's so fit to the gun. As a matter of fact, when you get a Mitch Rosen, I just broke my new one in here, he gives you a great product called Leather Lightning, and this is something he developed. And what you do is you put it on the holster, and can't hurt the holster, can't hurt the gun, and it helps it break in the leather to fit your gun. And it's so it's such perfection. And I just have to say, I mean, check out MitchRosen.com. If you want to treat yourself to the best, I would highly, highly recommend. Mitch Rosen It's made in Manchester, New Hampshire. All the materials are American-made. It's all handmade right there in New Hampshire. What a what a great holster maker. And uh, and I'll tell you, I, I had a, my gun. I've had Mitch Rosen's now for many years. And I had my uh, my gun in my Mitch Rosen, and I was – we had a huge snowstorm. And the snow bank after the plow guy came through went all the way up to the top, you know, of the of our pole – for our light in our driveway, right? The, uh, for, I mean, that's how high it was. So I figured, well, the light was out. Here's a chance for me to easily get up there and change the bulb, right? Why not? So I walk up there, and I fall backwards off the hill. It was great. Well, I wish I was on video. Go viral. Wonderful. I fall backwards. My glasses fall out. My wallet falls out. My keys fall Everything on me falls out except the gun in the Mitch Rosen, yet I could instantly access it and take it out, and I was really impressed by what how it it's just incredible. So, really check them out. I'm, I'm not kidding. What a great product at uh, MitchRosen.com. All the top professionals. He he does a lot of uh, 
work for uh, also companies where he does, uh, you know, orders for them and other operators and a whole history there. Really fun. The other thing I want to mention to you is I'd like you to really take a look at my website, which is gun.lawyer. You know how we have .com? Well, I have a .lawyer, and it's gun.lawyer, so www.gun.lawyer. And you can visit my website at gun.lawyer, and what I'd really like you to do is take a look at our my, my inner circle. I want you to join my inner circle because when you join that, then I'm going to be able to communicate with you via email, and when the big tech tries to shut us down, which, of course, you know they're doing, and free speech is going the way of the dinosaur here in the U.S. They're going after not just our Second Amendment, but our First Amendment rights. This is a way for us to maintain in contact so I can keep you apprised and alert as to what's going on and give you tricks and tips and insights and, and loopholes. And, uh, and also we'll have some fun. So sign up. It's free. It's absolutely free. Sign up for my inner circle. This helps me communicate you with you. And this is vital that we continue this. You know, we're going to see, I'm sure, some bad executive orders and all kinds of nasty things. And that's one of the things I want to talk to you about now. So sign up for the Inner Circle and please subscribe to the uh, podcast and rate us and help me get the word out. That all helps. Right now we have a threat, and I want to talk to you about it. We have a threat in the federal arena. Now, you, I'm sure remember we talked about H.R. 127, which is that ridiculous, absurd, draconian anti-gun bill by you know, Sheila Lee Jackson. It's just an absurdity. And I, I don't, that bill is not on any fast track. That bill, you know, is, we'll see. It's still there as a danger, but it's not being fast tracked. But I'll tell you what is being fast tracked. What is being fast tracked right now? And it's going to be voted on in the House very shortly, if not already. It's it's just zipping through. And I'm going to have a big battle in the Senate over it. It's a bill for universal background checks, what I call UBC. Now, you may say, what is UBC? What is universal background check? Well, in a nutshell, it's two things. It will end all, virtually all, private sales of firearms throughout the entire United States. And what does that mean? It means that UBC is really gun registration in sheep's clothing. You see, because once there's universal background check, where everything, every transaction has to go through a dealer, that means that a record is made. And therefore, every gun then becomes traceable. See, right now, when you buy a gun through a dealer, that's what's needed to make your initial purchase through a dealer. But private sales through the majority of America are still allowed. There's no mandatory registration. But this will create a de facto registration, which is extraordinarily dangerous. Because I'm sure no one doubts when I say they want to take our guns. In the past, they always denied, oh, we don't want your guns. We just want reasonable registration, reasonable legislation, reasonable this, reasonable here. Of course, it's all a lie, and we see the truth. Just look at Sheila Jackson Lee's bill and other proposals and everything these radical gun rights takers want to do. So we don't want to fall into that trap where we allow 
universal background checks because it will mandate and create a de facto ability for gun registration, but also it is a giant pain in the neck for individuals that will want to transfer a gun. This bill would essentially make it illegal for you to let any other person have a firearm. You just hand a person your gun. You're going to be a federal violation for doing that. And it is going to criminalize, it will criminalize so many honest citizens. It is bad, bad news. We need to fight UBC to stop it. And anyway, background checks have never stopped criminals. That's not what it's about. The background check system, which is why dealers do it, actually creates a protection for dealers so that dealers don't knowingly sell to a prohibited person. It isn't supposed to be some magic uh, solution to stopping criminals from getting guns because it doesn't do that. It stops criminals and prohibited persons from buying guns from dealers legally. That's what it does. But it is not some magic gun control scheme. And if we extend it beyond what its original purpose was, then we face these other threats and also expense. And the anti's plan, it always seems, is any kind of burden they can add to our guns, whatever it may be, you know, end private sales and I have to go through a dealer and go through all that, another burden. Add requirement after requirement and law after law and just salami tactic us to death. Even given a best case scenario, that's what they're up to. But I believe, unfortunately, that is much more nefarious than that. But either way, we cannot have and accept UBC, Universal Background Check. We got to fight this. We got to stop it. And we need to let your legislators know. It is HR8 is the uh, bill number. And it was introduced by a Democrat from California, big shock, Mike Thompson. So HR8, let your representatives and your senators know that you vigorously oppose this Bill. And at the same time, when they want to mandate universal background check, there's another bill companion to this that they're pushing to eliminate the NICS ability for a firearm to be transferred after three days of delay. You know, many of the NICS, they've been overwhelmed with uh, checks. And many of the lo- state POCs that work hand-in-hand, their point of contacts with the federal NICs. Their delays are just days and days of delay. It's horrible. And so the federal law has a fail-safe that was put in, and that is if your purchase has been delayed for more than three days, then the dealer under law is allowed to still make the transfer to you. Well, the antis want to extend that in the companion bill to this to 10 days. 10 days to deny you your right to have a firearm because the bureaucracy can't do its job. Outrageous. And just think about it. When you fill out a 4473, you're swearing to the truth of those answers anyway under a penalty that's criminal that if you lie, you're looking at 10 years exposure in federal prison. So if you tell the truth on that and you have no disqualifiers and they're running a NICS check, Why can't they transfer the Gundy? Why do you need to wait additional 10 days on top of it 
I mean, shouldn't there be a presumption that you're filling out a form truthfully, especially with the draconian penalty that you might face if you did not? Absolutely. So UBC mandates not only the background check, but that it go through a dealer. See, it'd be one thing, maybe even different, if, if individuals could call up and just do a background check on an individual that wanted to buy a gun. So let's say I want to make a private sale in a state where I'm allowed to make a private sale. But before I sell it to this person, I'm given the ability, for me personally, in my house or on my farm or my ranch, you know, miles and miles away from the nearest, closest gun dealer, that I could call in, give the information from a license that the person has, and just check, and they can tell me. Uh, no, he's okay, here you go, and approve it. And that'd be between him and me and an approval, right? And But that's not how it works, folks. Oh, no, 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 no. It mandates everything go through a dealer. And what does that mean? That means that a dealer enters the gun into his bound books, which make a preserved record of it. And then he enters them out in a disposition. And that now records it. And you have the form as well indicating, which will have to be done on every firearm transaction in the United States. Have you ever watched Red Dawn? Classic movie. John Milius, you know, great uh, great writer, director, producer, etc. One of his uh, really fun movies. Well, I'm sure you remember a scene that he wrote into that where the Cuban commander orders the invaders, go to the gun store and gather up the 4473s so they can see who has the guns, right? Now, look, I'm not saying we're going to get invaded by Cuba. We've got to worry about that. But what I am saying is it does make that record. And that's the record that could be accessed by enemies both foreign and domestic. And so we don't want that record there of every gun, and yet that's what UBC does. That's exactly what it does. So that's the danger that we have to avoid. And we need you to be vigilant and be aware of it and stop the federal gun law by being an activist and contacting your rep and your senators to make sure that we fight this. It's vital to our gun rights. Okay, well, folks, uh, this is Evan Knappen reminding you that gun laws don't protect honest citizens from criminals. They protect criminals from honest citizens. Gun Lawyer is a Counterthink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. Reach us by emailing evan at gun.lawyer. The information and opinions in this broadcast do not constitute legal advice. Consult a licensed attorney in your state.